Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I'm Patience Adamu. And I'm Curtis Vermont. And this is The Drip. A podcast for diverse millennials to help make sense of COVID-19 and the decisions made by our political leaders. Stay tuned as we parse through the weekly events and announcements that impact us. Shall we? Let's do it. So for our health segment today, I'm noticing that there are lots of questions about COVID-19 that still need answers. No doubt. And uh, you know what? Based on what we came across, we put together a little list for you guys. So hopefully it can give you some more information too. So the first question that's been coming up a lot is, why are there different case mortality rates around the world? Who estimates the global infection rate to be 3.4%? Germany is 3% to Italy at 13%. Why all the different mortality rates? Yeah, that's a big question I had too. So just for context, I'm getting the answers to these questions from various professionals, uh, scientific and medical professionals, one of which being is Dr. Saira Madad. And Dr. Saira Madad is based out of New York City and is responsible for uh, the entire municipal response to COVID-19. So one of her answers was basically there's lots of factors. Uh, one of the biggest ones is whether or not people actually have access to healthcare. And so typically what you're going to find is that jurisdictions that have better healthcare, like Canada, um, you'll see less spread, um, less infection, less death. That's how it's supposed to be anyway. At the same time, what she was also pointing out was that the, the mortality rates don't necessarily tell the full story, right? Because Patients, you just pointed out that places like Italy has a 13% mortality rate right now. Well, there was a better indication, as as Dr. Madad put it, is looking at the Diamond cruise ship case, right? There were almost 1,000 people on this cruise ship, Mm -hmm. um, and 700 people got the virus, if not more. And even with that, even with the fact that they were on a cruise ship, they had nowhere to go, it was basically the the perfect scenario to see how COVID-19 can spread and infect people. There was only a 1.1 mortality rate. Mm -hmm. So it depends on healthcare, but it also depends on a lot of other factors. And we're still figuring it out, essentially. So why is COVID-19 different from the other viruses? It's transmissibility. It transmits heavily because many times people don't know that they're actually sick. And that's the difference from the other illnesses like SARS or MERS that were really good at isolating themselves because the people who contacted those diseases got sick and everyone knew. So people stayed away. With COVID-19, many people don't know they're sick and therefore they're going and meeting other people. And therefore, when they meet those people, those people might take it back to their families and their social circles. And that's how spread happens. (laughs) So... It's very different, and that's why we have to take the precautions that we're taking today. Why not compare COVID-19 with the seasonal flu? Because it's new. COVID-19 has never been around before, whereas the seasonal flu has been around probably since 
the beginning of time. So no one has immunity to COVID-19. And that means that more people are susceptible to infection, which kind of like what I was talking about before, leads to more people potentially dying. And how long, like, do we know how long the virus can last in humans? Yeah, no is the answer, essentially. Um, This is one of those things where um, we're going to have to figure that answer out over time. As of right now, we know that generally speaking, the disease lasts for about two weeks in humans. But again, going back to Dr. Madad out of New York, she was actually sick herself just a month ago, and she had the disease I believe for three weeks. There's also other research pointing to the possibility of it lasting up to six weeks. So we just don't know yet and we're, we're still figuring those things out. The other thing to point out though is just because someone tests positive after a certain time doesn't mean that they're still infectious, right? Because the reality is particles could be there, but it doesn't mean that those particular particles that might still be in the body are actually infectious. So that's a very important point people should remember. So Curtis, if I understand what you're saying, like at work, we're going to have to change our approach to sick leaves. If people are going to continue to be infected um, with with COVID-19, then you can't give three sick days. You probably over the course of the year will have to give at least three weeks of sick leave because you will be positive or you will test positive for, for a significant portion of time. And that might be an adjustment that we'll have to do um, in the short term, in the next couple of years, to make sure that we are indeed um, taking care of ourselves and allowing employees to take care of themselves. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. And um, what I'll say in response is I hope Doug Ford is listening because uh, he's the one who has the power to change the laws. And by the way, he's the one who changed the laws to what they currently are to be providing less sick days to people, particularly those who work hourly. So uh, hopefully people like Doug Ford um, change their tune as they have been doing over the course of this pandemic and they exhibit more responsible and thoughtful policies to help people truly come out of this better on the other side. I'm really glad that folks have been doing a lot of research about this, but you know, I want my summer. (laughs) (laughs) It's May and it's snowing. Do you think that this could die or are articles saying that this could die down in the summer? So look, don't shoot the messenger. We don't know yet to be truthful. There's basically some studies indicating that it could be, it could wane, you know, by up to like 20% in the summer but then picked back up in the fall, which is exactly what happened back in 1918 with the Spanish flu, by the way. And then on top of that, there's also, I don't know, other data. I don't want to say conflicting data, but there is data showing that, well, look, it's been in places like Iran that typically has a hotter climate than certain places in the United States anyway. And well, it's, it's still flourished there. Italy, same thing, right? So we just don't know yet. Why such a wide range of symptoms? Because people are telling me, like, is it, is it a cough? Is it a sneeze? Is it a sore throat? Is it a fever? Why such a range of symptoms? Yeah, I, I, so I can't answer that question. Um, I, I will certainly leave that to the health professionals to do. But, you know, there's a wide range of symptoms. And the question really, I think, for most people is, is this it? What else could come about or what other symptoms could be experienced? And the answer is we don't know. For example, again, Dr. Madad out of New York pointed out that research is still ongoing from the Zika virus, which is, you know, pretty much dealt with. But we are still looking at the effects of Zika virus on 
a lot of these kids who were born with these deformities and how it affects them over the course of the rest of their life. So as she pointed out, she literally said that we're looking at 60, 70, 100 years before we truly know what the range of symptoms are for COVID-19. Crazy, right? Crazy. Another thing that's crazy is that it's affecting men more. Why? Oh, my doops, my dogs. <laughs> Why? Um, yeah, so look, we, we also don't quite know why yet, but we can also tell based on, you know, past research that there are underlying causes that could be at play. One of those underlying causes could be the fact that we know men typically engage in riskier behavior uh, more than women do. So I'm thinking about things like smoking, drinking, their overall diet. Um, but there also could just be general underlying physiology too. So it doesn't have anything to do with how a man actually carries himself on a day-to-day basis. It could just be that at the baseline, men are different in such a way that they're affected differently by COVID-19. We're still figuring it out though. And I heard that this could be affecting, you know, some people's Netflix and chill. Can it be found in semen? Sure can. Uh, But that doesn't mean that it's transmissible as an STI yet. And um, it's important to point out that uh, COVID-19 can also be found currently in the stool of people as well as other bodily fluids. Um, and that's based on research being done by Dr. Ryan Berglund, who was a urologist with the Cleveland Clinic's Glickman Urological and Kidney Institute. So the research is still ongoing there. Bottom line, yes, it is found in semen. I believe it is also, it could also be found in ovaries because I believe typically viruses are found in the reproductive tracts of people anyway, but it doesn't mean that it's transmissible. So that's the most important thing. And remember, we are still doing the research. We will figure it out over time. And, you know, what scares me is that I've been reading that the numbers aren't 100%. Where are all these unreported deaths coming from? Yeah. So according to Dr. Madad, um, there are different reasons. People may not be seeking health care when they're sick because they're scared to die from COVID-19. It's hard to tell, though. Similarly, people may not have COVID-19 symptoms, but they may have other health problems like, I don't know, heart attacks, right? Heart disease, anything like that. But they still may not want to actually go get help because they're afraid of dying COVID-19. So unfortunately, there are people who are probably just dying because they don't want to get help. Well, that was really helpful. I appreciate you kind of answering some of my burning questions, but it seems like we would have a really long way to go. that's exactly it. We have to keep in mind that this is going to be a long-term thing. It's going to be a long-term issue. So we, you know, we have to prepare our minds and and listen to the experts and make sure that we come out stronger on the other side of this. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. 
Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So, Curtis, if you had a kid right now, one in kindergarten, would you send them to school? To go dead off? Yeah, man. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm like, what? Are you nuts? <laughs> well, schools reopen in Quebec today on Monday, May 11th. Yeah. So elementary schools in the Montreal area are still going to be scheduled to reopen next Monday on, on May 19th. But in the rest of the province, elementary schools are opening today yeah and peep this because we know this quebec's plan to to begin reopening comes after they haven't done much to fix the spread of the illness no with another 1800 positive cases and 183 deaths from the disease reported just over the last weekend not the most recent weekend but the 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 first weekend of, of may Yeah, I think that, and you correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I, I think I saw that Quebec is is kind of doing things in a two-tiered approach where Montreal is going to have one kind of level of reopening, whereas the rest of the province, which is not as populous, will have uh, their sense of reopening. And so I think I saw that Montreal isn't opening yet. It's kind of the rest of the province. Montreal is waiting a week after the rest of the province. Oh, yeah. a week is going to fix everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Seven days? Yo, you don't know God created the world in seven days? <laughs> Yo, didn't Craig David make that song about what God did in those seven days? <laughs> <laughs> so there's two different ways to look at this. One is that, you know, Quebec is an outlier to the rest of the country. I mean, it generally is. So <laughs> it's kind of interesting that it, uh, they're continuing to reflect that. But you know, we can, we can look at this constructively to say, okay, Quebec's doing their own thing. Let's look at how society responds to these different, these varying levels of the reopening of the economy. Because we can look at what Quebec does in order to influence what the rest of Canada, or to prescribe what the rest of Canada should do. Um, I, I know I certainly would be looking at that if I was the, pre- the Premier of Ontario being right next door with the, with the second highest level of cases. So, you know, this, this may be beneficial yet. Yeah, I, I think I, I agree with you that it's beneficial for Ontario to look at that. <laughs> that is absolutely true, yeah. <laughs> like, I feel for listeners, you know, in the province of Quebec, I feel for you. You know, I, I really hope that um, you, ha- you are in the, the position to uh, take a little bit more care, you know, maybe, um, you know, do what, do what you feel is, is right because... Um, I think it would be really difficult for, for me if I had a, a child. You know, I have a three-year-old niece. I would not be sending my niece to school at, at a time like this. Yeah, and you know, there's, there's another part to that and that dovetails quite nicely. Uh, it's the fact that a place like Quebec is saying, okay, kids can go back to school. And by the way, that, this is the thing we should point out. Parents aren't being forced to send their kids to school. They don't have, they don't have to do it if they don't want to. Right. So that's good. But a big question that comes up with this is, okay, if schools reopen, what about childcare? Right. The economy reopens. What, what about childcare? So there's, there's still a lot of unanswered questions that I think our leaders are still grappling with. And, you know, we should kind of give them the time to do that. 
Um, but I, <laughs> Quebec's plan is interesting, and I'm, I'm looking. I think we're all looking forward to seeing how things work out for them. <laughs> So in terms of the economy, you know, Justin Trudeau and his government jumped into action to establish a number of programs that would help folks. So tell me, like, what's, what's the update? A lot of these things are supposed to end soon. What's the update? What's happening? Are, are these things still going to end? So the one update that we know about is that the emergency wage subsidy is going to be extended past June 6th, which is when it's supposed to end or when it was supposed to end initially. And that's, that's good news. Um, let's look at the context, which is that the whole point of the wage subsidy was to ensure that we kept people connected to their employers so that once COVID-19 passes, the economy can pick up quickly again, instead of having a situation where people are looking for jobs and people are looking for workers and the economy is still at a standstill. So the news comes on the, the heels of, of stats can release numbers showing that the country has lost up to 3 million jobs by now. Yeah, so we've got pundits like uh, the president of the Canadian Federation of Independent Businesses who are applauding the decision. I think most people would applaud it. It's also very interesting, though, to hear the prime minister talking about what his perspective is on how things should be different or how things could be different once COVID-19 passes. And here's a direct quote. What we're seeing, even beyond these reports and these numbers, is the reality on the ground that people who are already vulnerable in the workplace, people who are already disadvantaged for facing extra barriers, are always the first to get hit when a difficult situation like this occurs. That's why as a society, not only do we need to do what we're doing in the short term, we need to make sure that as we move forward to rebuilding and creating a more prosperous Canada in the coming months and years, we think very, very carefully about how important the work that is being done by women and vulnerable Canadians is and how we need to make sure we're better supporting them. I love, like, moments like that make me so patriotic, you know? I feel so proud to be a Canadian when Justin Trudeau says stuff like this. I mean, yeah, look, whether we're talking about Justin Trudeau or another prime minister, or if we're looking at the lower levels of government, you know, premiers or mayors, our leaders should be talking like this. This is what we should be expecting of them. We should expect them to be thoughtful and be looking out for our best interests through situations like this. So yes, I'm very happy to hear the prime minister pointing out that things are going to have to be different, but we are going to ensure that they are different in the best ways possible. And I look forward to, 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 quite frankly, helping him to make that a reality. But before we move off from this, from this topic, I think that this presents a really interesting opportunity, maybe for all Canadians, but certainly for us in Ontario. Since we're, we're seeing that we need to protect our most vulnerable, which in most cases include women, mm-hmm. from the ongoing effects of COVID-19 and, and the effects that it's had on the economy, why not consider universal free childcare? And how would this help to kickstart our economy and ensure that everyone has the opportunity to find gainful employment while we rebuild the 3 million jobs that we lost? So I don't quite know the answer to that. The good news though, is that I do remember Justin Trudeau speaking directly to that saying that, yeah, we, we are looking at possibly a childcare sort of program, whether that's national in scope or not, but we're looking at something because we 
we are aware that the only way to get the full or get all workers working back in the economy is to ensure that there is proper childcare. So we'll, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Curtis, do you know what a travel bubble is? Why, no, I've never heard of such a thing. Please tell me more. <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of genius. So Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia are to become the first European countries to create a travel bubble to allow their residents to move freely within uh, their three countries. So these are the first countries to really open up their borders and kind of establish this kind of a bubble. And it's a really big step towards life as, as normal. So the way that it works is, Citizens of the three countries will be free to travel within the region, so the three um, countries included in the travel bubble, but anyone entering from outside will need to self-isolate for 14 days. What I think this shows is that before we start allowing people into this country, we need to consider how the country that they're coming from has handled the, the pandemic. Hmm, I feel like you might be talking about a particular country that is in particular closeness to us. Low-key, I am. Hmm. These Baltic states have agreed that each of the other states had successfully managed the spread of the COVID-19 virus. Oh, so in other words, they both agreed first that, okay, you guys are responsible, so it's worthwhile working in partnership with you. Absolutely. And on top of that, they trust each other's healthcare system. They trust each other and they have good healthcare. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Right. Right. I'm really, really keen to see how this works because I do think that it will be a model for the rest of the world. Yeah. Which raises the question of what's going to happen between Canada and the United States, doesn't it? I'll be honest with you. With the United States, I think, I think that a lot of work needs to be done to ensure that their states are offering the same quality of service as one another. We've been hearing a lot about what's happening in New York, what's happening in Georgia, um, but there, there are issues when it comes to, you know, the, the way that certain states are managing COVID-19. And to be honest, I, I don't want them to open the border. I think most Canadians agree with you. Uh, Did you know that there was actually a poll that came out showing that Americans trust Canadians more than they trust themselves and that Canadians obviously trust ourselves more than we trust Americans? Of those living in the United States, 72.5% said they trusted Canadians compared to 70 who expressed trust in their fellow citizens. So yeah, I think most Canadians are looking at the situation at the border and looking at what's happening in the United States and they are concerned for our American cousins. And they're also concerned that what is happening south of the border could come and bite us in the ass. So I think that we're all in agreement that we want our governments to be strong and firm vis-a-vis the United States when it comes time to reopen our economies fully. Absolutely. So now to segment five, we've got questions for the audience. I think, Patience, you've got a really good question, don't you? Yeah. Well, we know that women have been hit harder economically because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm-hmm. And we know that, that women are overrepresented in frontline positions and in positions where they offer care. 
that too. And then we, we also know that the women's role, both in the workplace and in the home, is often one of a, a caregiver, one that, that looks after others. Mm-hmm. So what could the government do to better support women? Is it free childcare? Is it better compensation and benefits to frontline workers? What can be done to help soften the blow against women as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic? Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We're releasing pods on a weekly basis, so subscribe to stay up to date. Remember, we're all in this together, and this forum is meant to be a sort of safe space to foster community. So slide in our DMs with any questions or feedback you have, and we promise to respond. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at PatienceEve. And I'm on Instagram at State of Vermont. See you next time, everyone. Bye-bye. You know, it's getting pretty wild out there. We've heard about shootings and other instances of violence all across the greater Toronto area. And we're urging people to please stay home. And if you can't, please continue to be vigilant and stay safe. We'd also like to give a special shout out to Stephen Fissett, who graciously provided artwork for this podcast. If you like what you see, you can find him on Instagram at Scarborough Debutante. That's Scarborough, D-E-B-U-T-A-N-T-E, for all your graphic design needs. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.